Welcome to this week's installment on Brit David Podcast. This week, Pastor Tim brings us a message. What in the world is Jesus doing? From Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Pastor Tim states, If I've heard it once, from my mom I've heard it a hundred times. What in the world are you doing? I guess it really is a good question to ask a mischievous child. But it is also a good question to consider. What is Jesus doing in our world? Our Messiah was sent here on a mission. And that's the question we explore today. Here's Pastor Tim. Good, good. All right. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 4, if you don't mind. While you're turning there, let me mention just a couple of things to you. I told Sean earlier uh, this morning, I said, I'm, re- I'm ready to give up my table. <laughs> I'm ready to get back up there. And uh, we'll see how that goes and turned out by... Um, one of my physical therapists visited with us this morning, was sitting back there, and I thought, uh-oh, she's going to get me tomorrow, <laughs> see if I'm really able to stand up there. But uh, anyway, we went to the doctor this week and uh, got a good report. Seems like everything's healing the way it's supposed to, and so just a matter of Tim getting out of some bad habits that he's, that he's worked up to these last, uh, last several months and see how we can get on from there. But I do want us to spend some time praying before we begin today. Uh, for one of our church family members, uh, Paul and Crystal Miller. Um, If you recall, about three weeks ago, uh, maybe going on four, uh, both of them had surgery, one one day right after the other. Um, And shortly thereafter, both of them tested positive for COVID. Paul has been in ICU for the last two weeks, um, is on a ventilator, and uh, yesterday, last night, Crystal called me and asked me to go up to the hospital to pray with him, uh, that the doctors have said that there's nothing else that they can do. Um, What we know and hear is that even when the doctors don't have anything else they can do, God's not through, you know? And so we want to pray for Paul and we want to pray for Crystal. So I think that's a good way for us to start today. Bow with me if you will. Jesus We recognize that you are the great God, the creator of all things, that you are indeed our healer, that your word says that you have come to heal all of our diseases. And so, Father, we pray today that you would bring healing to the life of Paul Miller. We recognize that even though doctors have come to an end of what they know, never come to an end of what you know, We know that you have your own purposes, that you have your own timetable, that you do what you do for your glory and for our very good. And so, Father, today we pray for Paul, praying that you would provide a miracle in his life. We pray for Crystal today, that you would ease her heart with a peace that really does pass explanation, a peace that is perfect when she keeps her mind stayed upon you. Father, I pray that you would give her and give to Paul everything that they need as they go through this difficult time. Father, we ask your blessings over them today in Jesus' name, amen. We could pray those same things over a number of others, and as you, as you do pray, please remember to pray for those that need it. Luke chapter 4. We have moved into this section now with Jesus and, uh, and looking at his life. And as I look through this passage today, one of the things I'm reminded of is, is, is really thinking back to when I was a little boy. 
you know, and maybe I was playing in my room, maybe I was playing outside, probably doing something I really wasn't supposed to be doing in the first place, and would often hear the question, what are you doing? What in the world are you doing? You know, that's kind of the question that I come to when I come to this passage concerning Jesus. What in the world is he doing? Here's the, here's the interesting thing. You know, it doesn't just, not just when I was a little boy, I think sometimes even now, preacher, what are you doing? <laughs> preacher, do you even know what you're doing? The, uh, the, the reality in Jesus' life is this. Jesus always knew what he was doing. And he never deviated from it. You know? I mean, sometimes I know what I'm supposed to do, but it's kind of like you see a shiny object, you know? And, and you have to go after that. There's so many things that distract us. And then there are those, those times where suddenly somebody else comes to you and they have, a, they have some dynamic need in their life and suddenly you're moved off of what you were doing and now you're doing something else. You know, there obviously were a number of people like that in Jesus' life. But Jesus never got off track. He, he never stopped intentionally fulfilling the purpose for which he came. And that's really what we're looking at tonight. What is the purpose for which Jesus came? What is his mission if he is, and since he is the Messiah, what is the Messiah's mission? And that's really what we get to look at today. And there are three basic truths that I want to share with you about that. So number one is this. The Messiah's mission comes in the power of the Spirit. It comes in the power of the Spirit. If you recall last week when we were at the very beginning of this chapter in verse number 1, the Bible says, now Jesus being filled with the Spirit. And then it says He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's, that's really where we need to be, isn't it? We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be empowered by the Spirit. You know, if there is one area of the Christian life that it seems like we as Baptists are maybe hesitant to talk about or to explore. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I don't know if maybe it's because we're afraid that we're going to get labeled charismatic, we're going to get labeled as Pentecostal, or we may get labeled as whatever. I don't know why it is, but I do know this. You can't live your Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't. You, you, won't, you won't even know the direction of your life, of your Christian life, without the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand Him. And in fact, we get to this point in verse number 14 where we pick up our reading today. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He is still, even though He's gone through those terrible temptations, He is still in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we need to be. Since we, we do kind of... Uh, uh, just don't look on that very much. Don't think about that very much. Maybe we need to go back to some basics today. At this point, let, let's talk about the Holy Spirit, what He does, what He does for us. 
First of all, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of sin and brings you to Christ. Did you know that you nor any other person, no person, has ever been saved without the work of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says it's His job to convict the world, that's the unbelieving world, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. There are things in life that, that the Bible says that are wrong that you and I, some, we might not even have a concept of that being right or wrong. You know, the Bible says that our consciences, you know, people will say, let your conscience be your guide. No, that's terrible. The Bible says that conscience can be seared like with a hot iron, and, and the world's conscience has been seared. That's why you see things that are right are called wrong. Things that are called wrong are called right. Hey, we live in a world that's upside down. It's the Holy Spirit's job to come and to say, this is what's right, and this is what's wrong. If all I'm left with, you know, if I, if, I, if I don't want the Holy Spirit to tell me what's right and what's wrong, then, I, then I'm left with what I think is right and wrong. And, and I get mixed up, you know? I, I, I'm not the one who gets to define right and wrong. I've told you so many times about this couple that we met in Griffin that, that, that we shared the gospel with them and both of them prayed to receive Christ. But at, the, at, that, at that very time, they were living together. And, and, and I thought, man, do I, have to, do, I have to, do I have to say, hey, you need to stop that? And it was like the Spirit of God told me, Tim, if I can convict them of their sin, I can convict them of this one too. And so I didn't have to say a word. You know, they were the ones who came and said, hey, you know what? We need to get married. But it's what they said. It was their reasoning behind that stuck with me all these years. The man in that group said, we never knew what we were doing was wrong. See, if you're left all by yourself, you don't have a real concept of what's right and wrong. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So I need Him to convict me. I need Him to draw me to Christ that I might be saved. What else does He do for us? He, he indwells us. He indwells us. The Bible says that at the very moment that I say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of me. You know, the Bible says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? It means He lives there. You know, if you ask any of our children, mainly, sometimes even if you ask some of our adults, if you say, where is Jesus? They'll say, He's in my heart, Right? I'm not, I'm not going to chastise a child for saying Jesus in my heart. I think that's okay. But you and I biblically know that that's technically not so, is it? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, and he always lives to make intercession for you, right? So who is in your heart? The Spirit of Christ is there. The Holy Spirit of God, he is there. He has come to indwell you. And that's why the Bible says that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. From the moment that you say yes to Jesus to the moment that you breathe your last, He will live inside of your body. He lives there. He's not ever going to leave you astray. Now we come to a couple of things that are mentioned here in our passage. One is the filling of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, the, Paul writes, he says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The contrast is a contrast of control. 
In the same way that alcohol has a tendency to control how we see, how we talk, how we walk, how we do. The Spirit of God wants that kind of control over us. To control how we think, what we, what we see, how, what our perspective is, how we act, all of those things. It's about having control. To be filled with the Spirit means that I have yielded my life to Him and say, You are the Lord. You are the one who leads me. I'm not simply trying to lead myself. Now, can that be broken? Indwelling can't be broken. Can filling be broken? Yes. You know, we've just gone through Jesus' temptations here in Luke chapter number 4. You're going to be tempted. And when you're tempted, sometimes you're going to give into that and say yes. You know what you're saying at that point? I mean, essentially you're saying, Holy Spirit, I don't want you in control right now. I want my appetite to be in control. I, I want my flesh to be in control. I want the world, I want the culture, I want my friend, I want my family to be in control. I want to be in control. I want to be the captain of my own soul. Can you imagine how that breaks the heart of God? The Bible says that it grieves the spirit when we do that. You parents, have you ever been grieved over your children? Certainly. Does that mean that you stop being their parent? They, they stop being a part of your family? No. It just means that there's a brokenness in fellowship in there. What, wouldn't it be miraculous if your child came to you and said, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm wrong and you are right. Yeah, you better give a recorder out for that one, right? All right? You ever think God thinks about that with us? I mean, sometimes we come to the Lord when we've been caught. What if we just came to the Lord and said, God, I am so sorry. I gave in to that temptation and I took control. I kicked you off the throne and I sat up there all by myself and look at the mess that I've made. The Bible says, when I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And then I can say, Holy Spirit, here is your seat. You be in control. Here is your throne. You rule. You reign. It's yielding my life back to him. It's the filling of the Spirit. So we see Jesus being filled with the Spirit in verse number 1. The Spirit is controlling Him at that point. It means then that when you get toward the end of verse number 1, and it says that He is led by the Spirit in the wilderness, that the Spirit is able to lead, He's able to listen, He's able to follow. Same with you. If you would be filled with the Spirit... The Spirit would lead you. Isaiah said, it's like, it's like the Spirit of God whispers from behind you, this is the way, walk in it. And you're able to do. Listen, the fact that He, that he indwells you, that, that He is present in you, it means that you have potential to act in the power of the Spirit. But when you're filled with the Spirit and He is in control, now you can execute that action. You can perform that action in the power of the Spirit. Now, sometimes that action that He gives you is a special task. Maybe it's along the lines of your giftedness. 
Maybe it's something specific He wants you to do today or this week. Maybe something that you've never even done before. We say that He anoints us. That's what Jesus is going to say as He reads this passage in a moment. He's going to talk about the anointing of the Spirit. Adrian Rogers had the best definition of anointing that I, that I know of. He said it's a special touch for a special task. God calls you to do something. You do it in His power, and He gives you power, gives you ability to do that. That's why you read, and some of you read it in your lesson today in Sunday school, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. It is God who works in you, both to will and to do, according to His good purpose. How do you fulfill the purpose or the task of God? You do that because He gives you the desire and then He gives you the ability or the power itself. It comes as you walk in the Spirit. And that's where we see Jesus. All right? So Jesus' mission comes because he is walking in the power of the Spirit. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And look at this in verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Do you know what happens when you choose to walk in the Spirit? When you're filled with the Spirit and he is doing his work through you, Your life, your activity is going to glorify Him. It's going to exalt Him. The best way for you to be able to exalt and honor and glorify Christ is through a life of obedience. And it's through the power of the Spirit of God that you're able to do that. That's what this is all about. So the Messiah's mission is not Jesus simply saying, okay, I'm the Messiah. I got to go do this. No. Jesus never relies on himself to fulfill his own mission. Never. You know, every time, every time he speaks, Jesus said, I only speak those things that I hear the Father saying. Don't you wish your mouth was like that? <laughs> I wish my mouth was like that. And, and then he says, I only do those things that I see the Father doing. Everything in Jesus' life was dependent upon what the Spirit was doing in him and through him in that world. Now, if Jesus is going to be dependent on the Spirit of God, well, Tim's got to be dependent on the Spirit of God. You've got to be dependent on the Spirit of God to do what He wants you to do. All right? He's got a mission for you. He's got a task for you. He's got something for you to do. Don't do it in your own strength. Don't do it in your own creativity. Don't do it by your own ingenuity. Don't do it because of your own experience. Rely upon God and allow Him to do those things through you. Join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, What in the world is Jesus doing? Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. The address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.